1: Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Josh Raley. We've got a great episode in store for you today. I catch up with my buddy, Aaron Hepler. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for a while, you heard from Aaron way back before the beginning of the season. We talked a bit about... Uh, preseason scouting and kind of going into the season. And he was getting ready to head out for his first ever elk hunt. Well, he went on the elk hunt, had a fantastic time, ended up tagging a bull like a few hours into the very first day. So pretty epic story. Then he came back to Pennsylvania, back on public land again, chasing whitetails, had a couple of really good encounters, ended up uh, not making a great shot on one buck that got away and then sealing the deal a few days later on a phenomenal buck, he actually tagged out. I didn't realize it until I was going back through my text messages with him. He actually tagged out the same day that I did this year, uh, when I tagged out in Wisconsin. We both killed on November eighth. So really cool. Aaron's a great guy. Like if you're if you're not following along with some of the stuff that he's doing uh, with his writing for you know Truth from the Stand or the Exodus guys. Uh, you need to go check him out. He's doing some really, really good stuff. And uh, yeah, so this podcast episode is going to be a little bit different from some of our others because it's not necessarily tactics focused. It's more about the story of the hunt and the story of one incredible fall that Aaron enjoyed. But before I can tell you about Aaron's incredible hunting season, we've got to say a big thanks to our partners. First of all, Tacticam. Uh, Guys, I love deer hunting. I really, really do. But this time of year... Uh, I start to hear phantom gobbles off in the distance. I start to think about and drift uh, into turkey season, maybe a little bit prematurely. I'm not going to get out for turkey hunting this year until uh, March 25th and 26th, which will be when we're taking our kids out for turkey camp. But, um, you know, I am already thinking about it. And when I think about turkey hunting, I think about my Tacticam cameras. One of my favorite things to do is to chase turkeys with Tacticam cameras on my gun barrel. It is fantastic. They provide great footage. I love having a couple of cameras so that I can have, you know, one out in the decoy spread, one looking back at me to kind of get my reaction, one looking in different directions uh, to catch the turkeys that are coming in, and one, you know, obviously right there on the weapon that I'm using. So, man, Tacticams are great for that. I'm going to make sure that I've got my 6.0 ready on my weapon, and I'm going to have a couple of uh, last year's models, the 5.0 and the 5.0 wide out in the decoy spread and set up on the blind but uh yeah go check those out tacticam.com next up huntworth they're running a winter clearance sale right now everything on their website is 20 to 50 percent off uh, including the gear that i wore this year i can highly highly recommend their mid-season stuff the elkins line and also the saskatoon pants jacket and vest that stuff has their new heat boost technology and is incredibly incredibly warm great gear head over there to their website right now and uh, take advantage of this really awesome winter clearance sale again 20 to 50 percent off huntworthgear.com and then finally onyx i've said it a bunch of times already before but onyx goes with me wherever i'm going whether i'm out hunting whether i'm out hiking whether i'm out uh, biking with the family whether i'm out camping or even if i'm on a property doing a property consultation onyx is my tool of choice to make sure number one I always know that I'm on land that is legal for me to be on. Number two, I always know exactly where I'm at on that land. Number three, I can record all of my observations from the field and know that when I pull up my computer at home, everything that I marked is going to be right there. If you're not using Onyx already, you really need to go give it a shot. You can find it in the App Store of your choice. And actually, if you go and sign up, you can get a seven-day free trial. If you want to learn more, you can go to their website, onxmaps.com. Com. Now, with all of those commercials out of the way, let's jump into the conversation with Aaron Hepler. All right, back on the show with me today is Mr. Aaron Hepler from Pennsylvania. Aaron, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, glad that we can reconnect. I, I couldn't believe, like, I went back and looked through our, our texts, and I was like, man, the last time I had you on was, like, preseason. Yeah. I, it was
0: summer, summertime, I think, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I did not think it was that long ago, so it was like... Man, I'm kicking myself. Like, why have I not had Aaron on uh, uh, since then? But, uh, man, what's going on in your world this time of year? You guys are done in Pennsylvania, right? Yep. yep Season's wrapped done. up. Uh,
0: there's, I think there's some special regs areas still open, but for me, I'm all done in my my areas. So,
1: for those special regs areas, are those dough only, buck or dough? How does that work? <sighs> I
0: I don't really know, honestly. I think, I think they're – I'm gonna get nailed if I if I say this wrong but there the um, there's there's a couple special regs areas that um, archery is open for both okay and I know I know there's an extended rifle season in one of them but I've never I, I don't really I hunt there in the early part of, in, in one of them in the early part of archery because then you can you know get a jump start on on killing an early doe or something like that um, so that's kind of nice this year I was elk hunting. So I didn't, I didn't do that this year. Um, but you can, uh, you can get like an early jump on it, but I don't really hunt any of that during the late part. So
1: dude. Okay. So this is like jogging my memory here. Last time we talked, you were getting ready to go on your elk hunt. And dude, since then you've had an incredible season. Like you, this is, this is one for the books. So tell me about not only your elk hunt, but also your return home and uh, had a great season there too.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. I think one of the cool things was, is, you know, being on this podcast, we got to connect a lot during the fall and talk about those things. Um, so the, the elk hunt was awesome, man. We, we did a, um, end of September, uh, to, I think, I think we came home October 1st actually. So it was last week of September. Um, it was, uh, we, we used the drop camp service, uh, it was a public land hunt, bring you in on horses, drop you off at a, at a, at a, at a wall. Like they have, you know, uh, campsites with wall tents or whatever the guide service does. So they bring you out there and horses uh, show you a couple things around the camp, uh, how to use their water filter and um, you know, light all their different heating equipment and stuff like that. And then they're like, all right, Texas, when you get one, you know, <laughs> and all uh, oh, the elk are over here you know they'll do one of those um they they did pretty good on that kind of thing you know like hey you know we've had people be successful down in this area or that area and they'll send you a couple waypoints you know for maybe four or five waypoints that they send to us um so it was four of us um and as far as a budget friendly like if anybody's looking into that you should look into some kind of drop camp like that like some kind of reputable service we used um uh worldwide trophy adventures we booked it through an agent with them uh and that that's kind of nice because those people have to be reputable you know like yeah they're not just picking some kind of random guide who's gonna be like like kind of like a bullshit or whatever they'll they do a pretty good job at that so we booked this guy this this guide service two years ago and um one of the one of the guys that we went with um had like a lot of work to do before we went. So he flew out and three of us drove. So we left, left our house at like, uh, like nine, nine o'clock at night. And this is kind of probably making the story long, but it was a fun part of the trip. Right. Like that. Uh, we drove 24 hours straight Jeez. Um, <laughs> to, to Colorado. Oh
1: man, so we,
0: we left at like nine, eight 39 o'clock at night. And I think that was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday we left at like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, and got there at like six thirty, seven o'clock p.m. Uh, 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 Mount, I guess that's mountain time. So it's two hours behind us here, um, but it was a, it was a fun drive, man. Like all the jokes and like laughter we got out of that, it was it was a good time. I mean, like stressful at the same time because we're all like thinking about like getting on the horses and the elk and like uh, all that. Like we got you know, but like just overall really fun and um we met we met our other buddy um all we all got some dinner talked about a, a few things and uh you know talked about some of the waypoints that the guide had talked about who was going to pair up with who and um you know we all we got a hotel room and stayed uh, stayed the night there then uh friday night we um we drove to the trailhead. So we we stayed in Fort Collins, which is uh, like an hour north of Denver. Stayed in Fort Collins uh overnight Thursday, and then Friday we drove into the wilderness area. So you're at five thousand feet in Fort Collins, and by the time we got to the trailhead, you're at like ten five and you notice I was difference. about to say that like,
1: that's where you get the difference, oh. is that five to ten, man. Yeah, like
0: like seven, eight, you're fine. When you get above that eight and you're in nine, 10, 11, you're like, holy crap. It's, it's unreal. And we, I I don't know if you've heard, you can take like Diamox and stuff like that. It's a medicine that helps you acclimate a little bit better. Um, but it's a diuretic. So two of the buddies that I had were like, oh, I don't want to be peeing on the whole car ride home or on the whole car ride out there. So I'm just going to take it when we get there. You're supposed to take it like three days beforehand. Oh, Okay. So I had started it early and I didn't really notice like a lot of diuresis from like a lot of pain or anything. It's pretty mild diuretic. So, um, or, or my body just got used to it. I don't know, but it, I, I, I'd like to know if it helped or not. Like I still got pretty short of breath when we were at that 10,000, that ten five. uh, when you're doing stuff like when you're yeah. setting up the tent is fine. But then you're like laying down and trying to roll over in your sleeping bag. You're like, whew, that's hard.
1: <laughs>
0: roll, but, uh,
1: when rolling over in your sleeping bag is tough. Like, you know, you know, you might be in for it during the hunt.
0: Yeah. Um, but after about two or three days, like you you notice, like when you're walking uphill, it's not the same as when you're at home. Like it, it's harder, you know, but it's not. You just feel like, oh, it just must be a day where I'm just not feeling it or something. That that would be what I would equate it to. Like, it's not like impossible and you're not, you don't feel like you're going to pass out. Yeah. Like you're just kind of, you know, you, you've acclimated. Um, but two of the, the, my two buddies that I drove out with got, they either got sick from the Diamox or they're going to argue with me if they listen to this. But um, I think they got a little bit of altitude sickness and they were complaining about their guts hurting and oh that's it. And they said it was the Diamox and they stopped taking it. And then the next, you know, like a little while later, they felt better. I'm like, well, you probably just acclimated. And they're like, no, you're going to acclimate that fast. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, after two or three days, it was uh, for the most part better. Um, there were a couple of times, you know, where you'd feel a little bit, um, a little bit winded. But um, we walked into camp and I've decided that I don't. I like looking at horses. I like petting horses. I think they're cool animals. I do not like to ride them. Oh, no. <laughs> My horse, they were laughing at me the whole ride out. the I guess the horse I rode was really a pony on the way out, you know, and that horse tried to run me into every single tree possible. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was tripping over rocks, like every five seconds. And they, the guys, right. If they were riding behind me, they were just laughing. Cause this thing was like trying to bang me into trees, tripping over rocks. And I told the guide before he we went, I was like, he's like, looks at the, the, the guy that flew out. He's the, he was the oldest, he's actually, um, a physician that I worked with and he's, he and I are the ones who kind of like had the idea to go on this hunt together. Cause he's been asking me to go for years. He loves elk hunting. And, uh, he, he's like, well, I'm gonna put him on this horse. Cause he's the most steady and he's like, you, you, you probably, you know, you're one of the bigger guys. Cause he's really, you know, he's a pretty tall fellow. And he was like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, you know, I'm the biggest one. Right. And he's like, well, you're <laughs> like in the middle, like you your height. And I'm like, dude, I'm 210 pounds. I'm like, he's, I've got like 30 pounds on all these guys. You know, and he, he's like, we don't look that big. And I'm like, I know, but I'm fat, man. I'm like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got some <laughs> meat on <laughs> these bones, man. Yeah. Get me on a like, good
0: horse. Yeah. He's like, I'm like, you're putting me on like the smallest horse. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. And they're like, well, yeah, the horse can hold that. But one of the guys is like, well, it might be the rider rather than the horse just trying to get him off. You know, like get him off. the. <laughs> but, um you know it started out as a great hunt we we hunted the first evening we got there set up the camp hunted a little bit in the evening uh all came back to the camp had a little powwow or whatever and and the next morning um you know we all kind of went i went with the with the doc and the other two guys went our separate ways and uh i mean we we heard elk right away like right outside the camp they put you they put you pretty close to where the elk are going to be um so we didn't have to get more than a half mile before we could hear you know bugling and uh heard like some pretty robust bugling and some pretty small snot bugles and got down in between them and we were working them and it was odd because we would call these small bugles downhill to us and then the big one would come uphill to us and i think what the big one was i think he was the herd bull he would i think he was getting in between us and his cows and rounding them back down yeah and these smaller bulls were coming into us but when they heard him coming up they were like nope so they'd go back up and then he'd go back down with his cows so then we were just kind of like seesaw calling these bulls right so we couldn't we couldn't work them in so we just kind of kept working out that ridge line we were going to try to drop below that herd bull, but then we heard him go way out. So we were like, oh, we're just kind of like scout around and bugle here and there the rest of the morning. And I was, I was doing most of the calling as, as far as bugling goes. Um, you know, the other guys, uh, the other group of guys could bugle a little bit and the cow calls are fine or whatever. So, and the elk were bugling so good the entire week. It was great. But that first day, we kept working along that ridge, and we, we found, like, you know, some sign where they were probably fighting along, like, a creek bed, and uh, it was near a meadow, but, like, these strips of timber in, 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 that went in between this meadow. Um, and they, it was in a kind of, like, a burn area, too. So on Onyx, we could see there was, like, another small meadow in the middle of this big piece of the burn, and we're like, oh, we're going to check that out. And it's, like, it's small. Like, it was, you know... 70 yards wide and 100 maybe 100 yards tops up and down like an oval kind of looking meadow and we got right before we got to the meadow there was kind of like a little shelf and there was some wallows in there and it didn't look like it was used yet like overnight or anything a lot a lot of a couple day old tracks and there was some ice on top of this wallow and uh we got to the edge of that Little opening there, and you know he's like, "Well, why don't you why don't you let off a bugle and let's see what happened?" And I bugled, and just this like small came back, and I was like, "Oh, that thing was close, like less than probably like 150 200 yards." Nice. And we're like, "Oh, okay, we gotta we gotta capitalize on that. Like this is this is a bull that's like ready to answer." And he bugled on his own again, and we kind of like, "Okay, well." he's like, well, let's go down and sit up on that meadow. And I'm like, mm, he might be in there. Like he sounded like he was like right there. And he's like, I think he's a little further than you think. And I'm like, I oh, don't know. it's pretty open. So the, what our plan was, was to have him sit up high on the meadow and have me go down low and have them try to catch my thermals that were going upwards. So he would, it would come in front of him and he'd get the shot. So I dropped him off. I dropped about 65, 70 yards below him. And I took my pack off and grabbed my bow and I bugled. And this thing was like, it like cut me off, like full blown, like pissed off bugle, like snarling and everything, you know? And, uh, I was like, Oh shoot. And I like knocked an arrow. I didn't even have an arrow knocked. I knock an arrow And I look up and here's two six by six bulls just like coming out from the other side of this meadow and just like full bore running to me through this, through the woods. And they kind of like stop halfway through and I'm like, they're not even going to go straight up to him. And I'm like hoping he can see him because it was like a little bit of a, a rise and he and he could, you know, hindsight he could, but he was too far for like a pretty good shot and these bulls kind of like stop halfway into the meadow so they're like 50 yards and they just start walking real slow to me and like you know that like i don't see a bull something's not right but i know i heard one so i'm gonna find it and they're like i mean the big the bigger one was up front and the smaller there was smaller six by six behind it and he they're just like stiff leg walking hair bristled up you know And I'm like, I'm going to have to make a frontal shot. Like this thing's coming straight at me, you know, like it knows where I'm at, you know, and frontal shots on elk, you know, some people, there's a lot of good information out about frontal shots. And I've researched them a lot. And honestly, like, if you make that shot, it's like a dead elk almost every time. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, there's nowhere to draw. Like it's all open now. Like, I'm I'm like a sitting duck here and the sun's like blaring on me, you know, and I'm like, Oh no, I see like these like couple little trees. And I'm like, if I draw right when he gets behind that, the other one will be behind a log and I'll be set. And he got close to that and I drew back really fast. And he kind of like did one of these, like heard the little, I don't know if my bow made a little tick or whatever, but he kind of was like, not right. And I'm like, two more steps, come on. And he takes the two more steps and I settled my pin, uh, he was about 25 or 30 yards. I settled my pin and I just, I remember just squeezing that release and um, he dropped like a lead bullet because what happened was, is I went, he was uphill a little bit from me, right? Like just a little bit. And he was slightly quartered too. So I went in that opening in the front of the chest. Yep. I went into that opening and I got, about three quarters, of, I ha, I shoot a 29 and a half inch arrow. I, my three quarters, of my arrow was inside the elk. So it went straight in, into that opening, but was angled up just a little bit. So it hit the spine behind his shoulders. Oh, nice. And he just like dropped over. And of course, you know, he's like doing one of the head things and I'm like, Oh no. So I like draw, I knocked another arrow and there's blood pouring out of his chest. Like could have just waited, but like I hate. I don't like. You know, everybody doesn't really like to watch that. And yeah. uh, I think the other thing too is his first elk. You are like get more arrows into him. He's not dead, you know. Yep. So I went to shoot him again, and he was moving his head around so much. He just like hit that arrow with his antlers, and it went flying. I don't even know where it went. And freaking uh,
1: ninja elk, man.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I ended up. I got. I got another arrow into him, and. And the the doc was like, we were both like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> and he comes down, he's like, you need to get another arrow at him. And I'm like, I was kind of scared to get close to him because he was next to a log, like a like a full like, you know, twenty two inch diameter tree. And he was picking this log up with his antlers, just oh like, my gosh. And I'm like, just the power of that thing, I was scared to get close to him. Yeah, but I, I did get another arrow into him from like ten yards and. And, uh, and he, he, he died pretty quick then. Um, so it was like all hoots and hollers and like, I can't believe it. First day, like six by six, first elk, you know, that's
1: not what was, time of the day was it?
0: I think it was eight. I think it was eight or eight 30 on the nose. It was eight o'clock on the nose in the morning. Yeah.
1: So you're like a solid two hours into your first elk hunt and you've got one on the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah. Was that, wait, was that everything. your first elk hunt? That was my first elk hunt. Okay.
1: Yeah. Dude, that's nuts.
0: It was, it was pretty awesome. I'd like to say I replicated that through the week. We had a lot of opportunities to call elk and work elk pretty close. Um, but didn't, didn't get another shot opportunity like that. The other guys got pretty close to a, a bigger bull than mine. Um, but he winded them inside of like 50 yards. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was really a great hunt. We were all in elk the whole time. But one of the crazy things, and again, if, they, if my buddies listen to this, they're going to make fun of me for talking about it again. But um, I, my eyes had been bothering me since we got out of the hotel. Like real dry or whatever. And my dominant eye my right eye, and that was really bothering me. It was watering every day. So I was wearing sunglasses a lot. And I like go to fill out my tag. We take pictures, and I go to fill out my tag. And the whole time I had no real, no clue. Like I knew it was water and I knew it was bothering me, but while we were taking pictures, I was shaking like a leaf. Like, and so I, I'm pretty sure you notice in some of the pictures, I look like just chat, like, just like I can't in the pictures. People are like, Oh, they're, they look like staged. I'm, they're not at all. I'm like, just beyond, I don't even know what to say. Cause I just killed an elk and I'm like, just kind of in awe of it all. Yeah. And my face in them is just like, holy shit. <laughs> and uh, I started filling out my tag and I like look down and, you know, it's starting, starting to get a little hot out or whatever. And I'm like, ah, my, my sunglasses are all foggy. And I put my sunglasses up and I like look at the tag and I'm like, still foggy. And I was like, oh, I like look up at the dock I'm with and I look at him with my left eye. And I'm like, Oh, you're clear with that. eye." I look at him with my right eye and I can only see the outline of a person standing for, I can't see his face. Oh
1: my gosh. This is making my could, eyes water with you talking about it. Dude. That, <laughs> uh.
0: I couldn't see anything. And I was like, I, I can't see you at all. Like other than knowing that you're standing there and there's a person in front of me, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't know who you were if I didn't know you. And he's like, well, we're going to have to take a look when we get back to the tent or whatever and clean your hand and clean my hands or whatever. And we'll take a look. So we, we did all that and you know, we got the elk quartered out and texted the guide and our other buddies met us there. And um, it was just, it was a really great day. I didn't get to see the guide take it out on the horses. Cause I was waiting for him on the trail. And I guess when the other guys went out, they saw him and like, Oh, his elk's down there. And he like packed it out without, me getting to know about it. But, um, either way, they, they brought it back to a processor and they stored it in their, their walk-in freezer for me for the week. And I brought it home. I brought it home in a U-Haul and processed it on my own.
1: You brought it home in a
0: U-Haul. Yeah, we ran. So it was like, you can, (laughs) you can have them process it and I'll, uh, I will tell you that I'm very happy I didn't do that because that it was like, the processor that they used was like, it was, de- it was disgusting. It was deplorable. It was mm. so gross. And I would have had it processed and shipped and would have never known that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the other thing was, is like, you can't take spine and brains across state lines. Right. Yep. So uh, we had attack. They have a taxidermist that they take the head to, and he just blew the brains out for me.
1: Nice.
0: But it was, it cost it was like pretty expensive to do a Euro mount with him. And then it was going to cost like 400 bucks to ship it. So it was going to cost me like 700 bucks for a Euro amount. Ooh. Plus then the processing, if I was going to leave the meat there, the processing fee. So I was like, I'm just going to get a U-Haul cause that's 400 bucks. And then and we drove across the state with the meat and everything. Yeah. Fortunate they. I thought it was going to be a walk-in cooler, but they actually flash froze it. And I actually got to process it like semi frozen, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, it makes processing a little easier. Um, but it stayed, they keep their freezer like minus 40. Oh, so it stayed goodness. frozen for like, I couldn't even start processing it for two days after I got home. Cause it was still rock solid.
1: So you didn't have to ice it or anything. You're just,
0: I put it in a fridge at home. Like, a. I I have an extra fridge that I use for processing deer and stuff like that. So I put it in the fridge and kind of just let it thaw in the fridge.
1: Nice. So what ended yeah. up being wrong with your eye?
0: Uh, right. So he, he just looked in my eye and he's like, you know, it looks like a sty to me. Um, I must've had a sty that he th- he, he, he was thinking that it probably scratched my corneal layer. And I looked up some of that and that's possible. Um, but uh, we, you know, we let the guide know like, Hey, like I can't see out of my right eye and he was, the guide was pretty concerned. So he actually had a, um, a, uh, an optometrist that he got in touch with and, the optometrist said, you know, if he has a sty could be that, but it could be altitude. So make sure that he's drinking more water and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, just use eye drop. And fortunately we did have eye drops with us. Uh, the, the doc that I was with did, cause I didn't, I, I should have thought to bring them, but I didn't. Yeah. But he wears contacts and stuff. So, you know, contact solution and he ended up having some eye drops in his kit. um, you know, I think of everything else like the tourniquet and sutures and that kind of thing. We had plenty of that (laughs) with us, but none of the, you know, none of the simple stuff. Um, so, you know, I just used eye drops for the week and it took, it took until it took until Friday for it to start feeling better. So this was Monday took until Friday for it to start feeling a little bit better. And then it got better, like real quick, you know, and, you know, by Saturday afternoon, I was ready to drive by the time we got back to the trucks and stuff, I was pretty much ready to drive and that kind of thing, which was good. Cause I didn't think I was going to be able to, um, but, uh, it didn't, it didn't stop. Like I, I kept hunting, you know, I kept, uh, I took him out every day and, you know, we worked bulls every day. The evening hunts were a little harder. The elk were a lot more. They, they're not as talkative in the afternoons. And it tended to get pretty windy in the, you know, in the midday and the evenings were pretty windy. So it was really difficult to hear things in the evening. Um, but, you know, we hunted pretty much all day, every day. He would come back to the tent for lunch most days and, um, you know, work those bulls in the morning. Um, there were a couple times where we, we got, there was one bull that we got really close to to working to working into range and you know he was he was really coming more to um to, to raking on a tree than anything uh that was really taking him off but i think the one problem was is we had to cr- call him across the trail and he didn't like that very much
1: hey guys just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers they're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Interesting. You don't don't think about an animal that big being like, ah, there's a trail there. I don't want to cross that.
0: You You know, like like
1: a turkey? Okay, I get it. I get it, but... I don't know. It seems like that would be such a micro thing on, you know, scale-wise for an elk, but yeah. yeah, Weird. So, dude, the fun didn't stop there, though. Like, you had an excellent elk hunt. You come home, and uh, we texted a little bit back and forth, and I get a text from you you're like, dude, I'm not going to lie to you, you may see me shoot a not-so-big buck this year <laughs>
0: because yeah.
1: I want to try to get a, an elk and a whitetail in the same year, but you ended up with a, a pretty stellar deer and uh had a great hunt so tell me a little bit about you know kind of the return to pa how long did you wait man like i i know for me personally coming back from an elk hunt i would probably have to like uh, let a significant amount of time pass before my brownie points had like re-upped you know what i mean to get back to the point where i'm like okay now i can go whitetail hunting
0: yeah i, I would say that in the past for me um my wife is extra supportive of all this stuff that, you know, all the writing that I'm doing and all the hunting that I'm doing. And, um, I'd, i really like to do it full-time one day if I could. And that's, you know, an ultimate goal for us, or at least, um, if not full-time, I can still drop my other job to part-time and that kind of thing.
1: See, I'm a, I'm a bum. And so my wife supports me Totally. And so uh, that's why I got the brownie point thing going. Cause I'm just like, all right, bye hun, go to work. And I just sit at home and podcast all day. So, yeah. uh,
0: we, I think we're, I would say we're kind of equal, equal parts in the job. She's a nurse at the same hospital that I work at. Oh, and, nice. Okay. Um, you know, we have a really good thing going there and, uh, but she's extra supportive of all this stuff. So, you know, i i told her we you know we talked about it in summer and she's like hey listen like that's your time of the season like she's a she's a runner and she runs all year you know and she's like i run all year your season is three months out of the year like you you know i want i want some of your time but i understand that that's your time of year and like you you gotta go you know you know you know farmers have the Make hay when the sun's shining kind of thing. She's like, that's you know, if you if you have a day that looks good and you need to go, you just tell me you need to go. Like, and and she's very supportive of that. So I think we got home October first. I finished processing the elk on like October fifth, and I was in a tree on October eighth. Nice. So I spent. <laughs> it took me like four days to cut that thing up. You know, like yeah. a because it was like a little bit frozen. So it makes the detail of butchering easier, but like you're sharpening your knives a lot more, you know, Um, not really sharpening your knives, but like it's, it's a little harder to cut just because of the the friction or whatever. Um, So it took me like four days to process it. And it was like, you know, she's good about that too. I process in our dining room. Oh, (laughs) nice. uh, So that was good. Um, So, did all that and then i went to work for or actually i didn't work until the 9th i had off from like september 22nd till october 9th and um you know i i was in a tree october 8th uh 7th or 8th and um i I don't even remember what that what we did that hunt i think i saw i know i saw a deer Oh yeah, I remember we were hunting, um, like a strip of timber between some cuts and, uh, you know, I had a pretty good hunt, nice hike in. It was, you know, good to get your feet wet and do the thing where you're like, kind of like a little shaky with your saddle, which I, I didn't feel that as much this year, maybe because like, um, the, in the woods thing, you know, keeping being quiet and that kind of thing. I had some of that built up from the elk hunt. And then, um, you know, all summer I, uh, I don't climb every time that I shoot. Like I don't shoot out of my saddle every, you know, with every practice, but I did, I did a decent amount of practicing out of the saddle. So I was, you know, pretty well versed in like how I wanted my sticks to work and uh, you know, in and out of the pack and that kind of thing. Um, so that was, that was great. So it was a pretty good hunt. And um, you know, I think I probably hunted, I hunted at least two days every week, if not three Um, And then as the season went on, I've I've got more because I I do a good job of uh, spreading my vacation time out. So I'll take like, um, you know, I work three days a week. It's full time. And I take uh, the first, let's say the second week of October, I took one day off. Um, So I only had to work two days that week. The third week, um, I took one day off. The fourth week, I had two days. I only had to work one day. And then through September, the first two are the first two weeks of November. I only worked one day a week. Nice. So I had like a lot of time, you know, that end of October into the rut phase. I had like a decent amount of time to hunt. Um, And then I have a decent amount of time built in to be with my wife and my daughter and that kind of thing, too. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I get my little. I want to call it brownie points. Cause she doesn't like keeping score. So it's just, you know, it's just a give and take, but she's, like I said, she's very supportive of, of it and she wants me to just go full bore into it. So she was like, listen, when I, when you get home from your elk hunt, I know that you have to go deer hunting to like make the content you want with your writing and that kind of thing. So she's like, you know, go for it. And, um, and I did, and I had, I had some really good encounters. Um, I saw lots of does. I had a lot of good doe encounters. Um, but I think the first real good buck encounter that I had was mid-October. I think it was like the 15th, something like it's 15, 14, 15, somewhere in there. And I, um, I got in this uh, knob that we, had noticed like a lot of deer, we had a cell cam on it and it was kind of a new, it was kind of like a flyer spot, but I knew deer were like using it in the mornings and the evenings pretty consistently at least if not every day, every other day for the most part. And um, the time always was varied. So it was like you either just doing morning hunt or an evening hunt and it was never really the same buck, but it just was a nice travel area. So I um, got down in that area and I, I spooked all kinds of deer off that knob. Oh oh boy. It's not good. And it took me like an hour and 45 minutes to get to it. Right. Jeez. And, uh, I'm just like, man, it's not good. And, um, I ended up getting, I was like, just set up. You're good. Like, just see what happens. You know, these deer want to be in here. And it tended to be that there would deer, some does would be there occasionally, like real early in the dark in the morning. It's like you never really got a buck on you know, and just just hunt it. So I saw some deer. But uh the the nice thing about that spot is as soon as it got light, I could hear one coming down this ridge, like traveling, and I'm like, oh, so I'm good. And I see the antlers, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" Like mid October, here comes 120 inch. I don't even know what like seven. There was a seven pointer there, pretty often, and a nice eight pointer. But both were like around 115, 120 inches. And I'm like, "That'll do." Because <laughs> like you <laughs> said, <laughs> my my goal was was to shoot two antlered animals. Like I've never done that, so I was like, I shot a really good bull it was my first bull. He's a Pope bull. Like, I don't care what kind of buck I shoot. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I tried everything I could to get to, this deer was like 50 yards and I tried everything I could, you know, I did like the light grunts. I did the growls did every, and he just was not, he was eating white Oak acorns and just Crew like just not interested. And generally they come over that hump, but he just didn't want to do it for whatever reason. He was just kind of following the edge of this bowl that I was in. Um, but it was cool to have that encounter like uh that early in the season. Um so you know, after that I had a I I did pass on a little six pointer that I snort wheezed in a couple days later and it was because i was seeing so many deer that morning um, I, I mean there this the one day i remember i think this was uh, actually i missed you know i had a couple other good buck encounters on an evening evening hunt i had a like a 115 8 pointer bust me but the towards the end of the last week in October, I had a really good hunt and I had one of those mental days where you're just like, don't want to get out of bed. I'm tired. I've hunted a lot now. And it was, it was like 15 mile an hour winds with 25 mile an hour gusts. And I'm like, Oh, this sucks. Like, you know, I'm in the tree and it's going to be blowing the whole day. And you're like,
1: Oh, <laughs> all and the I reasons heard. you shouldn't go. So yeah. before you go, before you go too far, I want to know, like, Cause I did the whole rutcation thing this year and I got to the point where I was worn out and I've talked to several guys about like the importance of keeping your mind sharp and like things that you can do to like overcome those times or just like pick a strategic day and like totally give into it. Just be like, okay, today's a reset day. I need to sleep in, eat a good breakfast, drink a cup of coffee, maybe go out this afternoon kind of thing. Where do you fall on that scale? Are you the guy that's just like, nope, I'm going to grab myself by the bootstraps and I'm going, or are you going to take those days and be like, I, I need to reset, man. I'm tired. If I go in, I'm not on my A game
0: and it's not worth it. I would say that some, I, I take breaks. Okay. You know, I, All right. I, think you ha- I think you have to. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, it's not really fun. Right? Yeah. And I, I tend to, look forward to breaks on a rainy day because i know people say you can kill a deer in the rain but i absolutely hate hunting in the rain yeah
1: do you you really want to do it with a bow to like for me man i i hunted in the rain this year and in i'm texting a buddy of mine and i'm like you know it's miserable but i'm in a spot where i could see mostly i was there for observation and you know he was kind of dogging me a little bit like man, you shouldn't even be out there with your bow. You know, you're going to wound a deer and never find it and all this stuff. I'm like, eh, maybe you're right. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of shooting a deer in the rain, but I like them for observation or like you said, taking a break.
0: Yeah. And you know, if I'm like hunting one day, I'm like, Hey, the forecast is calling for rain the next, you know, even though, so like that day I was, Telling you like that day was actually forecasted for rain. Like three days after that, that I had off. Oh, okay. And I was like, if I don't go this day, I rem- I literally stopped half. So it takes me. It's like three and a half miles to get to this spot. I bike some of it, and then I hike the rest of it. And I I stop my bike. I'm like a mile into this. I stop my bike, and the wind is blowing. And I'm like, I. What do you do? Like I don't want to hunt. This sucks. And I'm like. I'm so tired. I'm like, I want to go to bed. And I turned the bike around, and I got on the bike, and I was like, just go. You're already out. Like, you're already out of bed. You're already a mile into this. And like, I was dog tired, man. Like, I was like, it was hard biking that day, you know. And we I mean, people think that biking is easier. It's not. It like, it's hard. It yeah. gets you there quicker, but it's hard, especially when you got you know your pack on your back and that kind of thing. And I, I was like, no, just go. If it's windy as crap, you can leave early, whatever. So I, I wrote out and honestly, like I, once I started walking in the woods, I was like, this it's not that bad. Like, okay. And I got in so clean and I pulled a card from the camp, from a, from a camera before I got in the tree, that a camera that I hadn't checked. I put it on a horizontal rub that had some scrapes under it. I was like, I'm really excited. I haven't checked this camera yet. And it's, uh, like October 24th or 5th, something like that. And I'm like, this is, this is really cool. Like, I'm you know, I feel good about this. got in real clean. I'm here. I'm in the tree like an hour and a half before daylight. Like it was, it was perfect. And I was like, this is great. So then I was starting to feel good. And, um, I, uh, you know, did the hide your phone in your jacket kind of thing. So the light doesn't go <laughs> off. And I had so much time. So I started looking through these pictures and the one buck that I wanted to shoot real bad. And I think I sent you plenty of pictures of that big eight pointer. He was on that camera, like all the freaking time, oh. not anything in daylight, but he was getting close to daylight yeah. and I'm like, Oh, this is good. Right. So then as soon as it got light, there were just deer piling into the, I think I saw 16 deer bef- before eight o'clock, you know, groups of four, wow. you know, all these do just everywhere, like coming in from all directions. Like I expected them to come one way and they didn't, they were just from every direction. And for whatever reason, my thermal started to just go straight up out of the tree right away. I was like, Oh, this is great. Like everything's going to go over their heads and nothing was spooky at all. I mean, they were like a little on edge because it was, you know, deer get a little funny when it's windy like that. Sure. Um, But they weren't like looking my direction or anything. They were just kind of doing the make sure everything's good, look around. And um, I blind snort wheezed and this little six pointer comes trotting in and I'm like, "Mm." And I was like, all right, here we go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Like he was real little. Like <laughs> if he was if he was 60 inches, I would <laughs> I would be surprised. Nice. But I thought I thought about it. I was yeah. like,
1: <laughs> so what made you decide to to like blind snort wheeze? Because I hear, you know, guys blind grunt, blind rattle. It's not every day I hear like, ah, I just threw a snort wheeze out there just to see.
0: Uh I've had luck with it when I was inexperienced once or twice, and it yep. just kinda like I don't know. All these does in the area, I thought, like, um, I was sitting pretty close to some bedding cover. And I thought anything that is in that bedding cover or outside the zone, all these does are coming into it. Like, they know all those does are going into that every day. So, I was just kind of like, well, the terrain is kind of... I call this area a little folded, right? Like there's a lot of ditches and crags and stuff that they can really hide in. And like, even though the covers in some spots, you can see a distance, but then in a lot of, in a lot of spots there, you can't see. And then the train, you really can't see if there's a buck 80 yards away from you there down in the ditch, you can't see it. Yeah. And because my thermals were so good right where I was sitting, I was like, Hey, like I'm kind of safe unless one can see me and I can't see it good opportunity for some blind calling. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I did a little snort wheeze and this thing came like trotting in and he was pissed off, you know, and it was, that was cool. You know, I was like, and that's one reason I contemplated anytime you can call a deer in like that, I think is really cool. And I, um, I occasionally really have a hard time. Uh, if I have the opportunity passing up a deer that goes in, I, I, i just it's just part of the fun man you know so i thought about shooting that deer and i didn't and i could have uh drawn my bow very easily well i did draw my bow but i was like yeah so i i could have killed that deer and um and i didn't because i was like well you know it's like seven seven thirty eight o'clock in the morning there's a good opportunity for something else to walk through here And I think I saw a few more does after that, but overall it was a fun hunt. And I remember getting down out of the tree and feeling so satisfied and being like, you didn't, you stopped a mile into this and turned your bike around to go home and you didn't. And you had one of the best hunts that you've had, like as far as deer sightings and uh, clean access and exit and all, all the things you want. Right. And it makes you feel uh, really solid and confident in those moments when you have a hunt like that, everything just worked right. Even though you didn't kill the deer. Like, I mean, to me that the arrow didn't go through the deer, but I won that hunt. Right. Like I could have killed that deer and it's easy for somebody to say, Oh, I passed the deer up, but I was drawn on that deer. I had my pin on the deer. I didn't pull the, I didn't pull the trigger on the release. Yeah. So, Obviously, something could have happened, but in my mind, I, I could have killed that deer. So that was a real good hunt, especially, especially because I think it was, you know, now I had three buck encounters in a row, and two of them were were good ones, um, or or ones that I would have shot here. You know, I, everybody says that they want to shoot like a good representation. Um, I think a Pope deer here is probably a good. Uh, representation of uh, at least where i was hunting of uh of a buck that i could have shot but i i have like a i like the uh the 110 inch area you know 100 to 110 inches i'm probably gonna pull it, pull pull back and shoot it unless it's i don't know it just depends i guess but mostly that's what i'm okay with somewhere around that because they make me happy still so
1: this episode is brought to you by the onx hunt app Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their Optimal Wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. Yeah, dude, absolutely, man. I hunt... You know, did a lot of hunting in southern Wisconsin, still do, plan to do a lot of hunting in southern Wisconsin for as long as I can drive up. And, you know, realistically, if I was to say every year I'm going to hold out for what is a good representation of, like, a mature buck here, then you could probably hold out for a 130 or 140. But a 100-inch deer walks by, and he's getting it every time. Like, and this season there was a 95-inch deer that walked past, and I was like, eee! You're close, buddy. Like you're real yeah. close, but I could tell he was. I mean, he when I looked at the deer, he looked young, and uh, in this same area there was one that's uh, is I, I think's a one year old, and he was probably that in that 90 inch range too. So I was like, okay, this this spot in the next couple of years has got some real potential. So we'll see what lives. But yeah, man, hundred inch deer make me happy too. <sighs>
0: Yeah. And it's not, you know, the other thing you got to think about. So if you're on an out of state hunt and you're going for five days, like maybe you want to pass up that 80 inch deer on the first day, unless your goal is just to shoot it out of state buck and you don't care. But if you're like, Hey, I'm really out here for the experience and I want to spend my whole five days out here. And if I go home without a deer and I pass that 80 inch deer up and that's okay with me, then do it. Yeah. Um, right. you know, you're there for the experience. So if you think that you have an opportunity at something else and it's not ultra important to you to, to kill something, then yeah, spend your five days out there. Um, or you could shoot it and spend your five days scouting for next year. But, um, you know, for me at home, if I have the first opportunity I have is something a hundred, hundred inches. If I kill that early, that means I get to go to a different state. Yeah. Um, I can buy a license for an over-the-counter state and I get to go spend that other time off that I have hunting that area, um, you know, in the surrounding States to me. So that, that's important too. Um, Cause then you build those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, moving on from that, you know, I had all those good encounters and um, October 29th, I hunted, we've had a cell cam in an area for three years. Now I, had one there this year and um, I put it out pretty early. Like I think I put it out in Turkey season. So I put it out in May and I didn't get back to it to change batteries. And I should have, and it died October 10th.
1: Mm.
0: and Now it's the 29th and there were does using it. Like all like does use that. We have it on a scrape, they use it all the time. But I'm like, you know, that scrape, has a period from like the 14th to the 17th where it's bucks are using it in the daylight. And then you get that end of October spurt. And then you have like rut cruising all through the first two weeks of November. And I was like, you know, I know I don't have that camera's not working right now, but ultimately that doesn't matter to me. Like I've built history there. I know last year um, one of my buddies had hit a pretty big deer there that we had on camera. And then a week later, a buddy went out and killed a, uh, his first public land buck there. Nice. And, and, and saw a lot of bucks. So I was like, I'm going to go to that spot. Cause this is, this is the time of year that it really, you'll get really good daylight stuff. And it's always like, so again, I'm not working off cell data. I'm working off of history at this point. Right. But I'm always like, I know, like you could set your watch, like bucks are there seven between seven thirty and eight thirty every morning. So I went in there, and they were moving different than I thought they would,
1: mm.
0: and um, they were coming across. They're coming across the ridge, but my wind was just off. So if the deer were uh, working, let's just say they're working east to west, my wind was blowing in their direction but it was blowing like just uh from the southwest so it was like just off enough that they were like you know it was keeping it out of their scent we'll call it a scent cone it was keeping it out of their nose and first like four does come through and then i see a big body deer come through and uh pretty sure that one was a buck Just by the way it was acting, you know, like I could see the deer's nose to the ground, but it was thick. So I couldn't see the antlers or anything. And it was going in the direction of the does by itself. I could see its back legs. It had dark tarsals and stuff. So probably, probably a buck. And uh, thinking, well, you know, that's kind of early for deer movement in here. We'll see what happens. And uh, 830. 30 here comes a, here comes a buck. And I'm like, Oh man, here comes deer. I could see like tips of the tines at first. And then it's coming through. And I'm like, Oh, that's a good one. Like he's getting it. He comes in here. He's getting it. And I'm like, Oh, he's following those does. And they were 75, somewhere between 65 and 75 yards away. And this buck comes up and he, he gets to a scrape that they had up, up that direction that the does had hit in the morning. He puts his nose in the scrape and I, grunted once at him and snort wheezed and he t- just he just turned on a dime and just comes walking straight down this ridge to me like you know all this different like looking for me you know and he curves out i'm like he's gonna come right under my tree and i'm not gonna have any kind of shot because it's too thick for any kind of frontal shot and he would also be too much like at a downward angle like he wouldn't be where i could even get it it is brisket or anything so he goes out around um he goes out around me though and i'm like oh now he's gonna be broadside and i'm like oh man he's gonna be 10 yards and i was like every every little bit like i was shaking like a leaf because you know you, you're all pumped up because and it was he was a good deer i tried to stop looking at his rack when he started coming in and uh i'm like just wait just wait Right, draw your bow. Okay, just wait. Let him let him turn. Like, take your time. He doesn't even know you're there. He's not gonna get your wind. My wind was perfect because he ended up turning too early to give himself an advantage. Oh, so I I snort wheezed downhill from him. Like, yeah. turned my head and snort wheezed. So he turned early instead of going downwind of me. He thought he was downwind of me and wasn't. And he turns and goes broadside. And I should have let him take one more step, but I was like all I was a little jacked up. But he was still broadside, like it was still a good shot. But I wasn't because when I drew my bow, he was behind some real thick stuff. And as he it started getting less thick and less thick and less thick. And when he was broadside, I thought he was in the clear open. And I ended up hitting a stick and I watched the arrow go sideways and hit him in the back leg. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe I did that. And I'm thinking like, you know, all my buddies are like, it's okay, man. You know, I hit a deer in a back leg and it hit the femoral artery, you know, you might be okay. And it wasn't man. Like I called dog trackers and they were not even interested. I had very little blood. What happened was, I ended up looking, re-inspecting my arrow a couple of times, and the broadhead and the insert came out of the arrow. Oh, uh, okay. I think what happened was is I made it into the part of his femur bone that's right under the skin yep. and never hit anything important. Yeah, and that broadhead stayed in there, and I think he bled like you know he bled little teeny drops here and there, yeah. nothing nothing wild. And I remember being on the phone with Chad a bunch and be like, dude, what? Cause he knows a lot. Chad, uh, Chad Sylvester from Exodus just knows all, he's got all kinds of good information on blood tracking and stuff. And it's like, "Yeah, you know, he's encouraging me and I'm trying to be optimistic. And I, I look for four or five hours and nothing. Mm. And I was, I was pretty torn up about it. I think I hunted later that week I can't remember where, or when, but I hunted later that week once. And then, um, I think a week and a half after that. So, uh, November, I did hunt in between there, but, um, November 4th, two of my buddies, we, we, I hunted November 4th and two of my buddies ended up, uh, killing really good bucks two two public land bucks. They doubled They're they're like, uh, they're the buddies that hunt together or whatever. And, um, they killed two really good public bucks. One that we all had on camera, uh, a little, little non-typical kind of thing with little kicker off like drop time kicker. He was 150 something inches. And the, the other guy shot one that was like 106 and they just awesome pump for them. Um, so, you know, it was kind of encouraging cause you know, bucks are starting to move and stuff and, getting to see them kill their deer. And I'm like a little more encouraged and starting to feel a little bit better. Like it's a week and a half away from our, I guess just a week from when I hit that buck. And um, October 8th or November 8th, I went out and I'm like, I'm going back. I'm going back because now it's been, you know, nine days since I hunted that tree. And I'm like, I know last year deer were still moving through there. I know that area is, is good for it i'm just i'm going back so i went back and this time there were deer everywhere on this ridge in the dark and i remember getting to getting ready to go into my tree and seeing deer that were up under that tree and being like oh i don't know this might not be good and i backed out to the trail that i was walking in on and kind of let them move through and i went into that tree and I, I repositioned a little bit, I moved 30 yards. So I wouldn't have to try to call a deer in from the way they were moving. So those observations that you make during hunting are important because, yeah. you know, calling a deer is cool, but if you don't have to, because you know where they're going, it's better because they're on less of a, you know, they're just, they're just doing their thing and you're not making them do their thing. So, you know, everybody's like, how's it, how's it going? Are you shoot seeing anything? Are you seeing anything? And I, I, I want to say, give a shout out to my buddy, Troy Dietrich, because the day that I hit that buck, he killed his biggest buck on his own property that he managed this year. And that was a 150 something inch, uh, uh, 10 pointer with a drop time. It was, it was cool. So he was really encouraging me and I don't worry, man, you, you got this. Like it's good, perfect day. You know, conditions are right. It's rut. They're cruising. And, uh, my, my buddy rich yoder too just like come on man you got this like you they're coming through you any minute now i'm like i'm good man i'm i'm ready i'm, I'm good am good. 8 30 there will be a deer here i haven't seen anything yet but 8 30 there's going to be a deer here and you can look i actually saved the stories in my instagram on my highlight reel because it was cool i took a picture of my bow in the dark i think and i said today's the day and I posted like a couple things like up to killing that deer. Like today I'm going to kill a deer. And um, I texted my wife. She texted me, asked me something. I texted her back and it was 8:32. I put my phone in my pocket and I hear deer coming. And I look and I see antlers coming up this ridge straight at me. And I'm like, Oh man, here it comes. And I like do the slow, like pick your bow up. I can't believe this is happening. Put my release on the bow. And I, I'm like, all right, here you come. There's nowhere to draw yet. And the deer comes around the tree. His chest is behind a tree and he looks right up at me and I'm like, Oh no. Like (laughs) he's six yards, eight yards away. And I'm like, Oh no. And I think, I don't know what happened, but he didn't spook. And I think what happened was the sun was right behind me and he was kind of like blinking, you know, like the sun was in his eyes. So I think, he knew something went right, but the sun was in his eyes and he got behind a tree and I, a bush, he kept, he just put his head back down When we put his head down. I drew my bow and he was nibbling on something and he takes two more steps and is at six yards and he starts moving and I grunt at him, stop him. And I remember thinking heart shots only. And I put it right there, six yards, took the shot and he runs up the hill where I called that other buck from. And he turns around and runs straight at me and falls over at 50 yards. Jeez. And I was like, holy crap. And I like call my wife and I'm like, I killed a buck. There's just a point laying on the ground. I killed him. And she's like, what? She's like, you just texted me. And I'm like, she's like, what do you mean you killed a buck? And she looks at her phone. She tells me, you text me at 832 and you called me at 834.
1: Oh, my God dude how fast <laughs> things can change right and,
0: like that whole thing like him coming up the ridge picking my bull up doing all that stuff watching him fall over and die in sight and I'm just like I am I am revved I am shaking so bad and I'm like you know called Troy I called, I called Troy and I called Rich and my I called my buddy Jared who hunts locally with me a lot um, also such an awesome dude And I was like, I got, I got him in. He's like, he was going to go with me that morning, but he had a lot of stuff to do at home and he had gone the day before. He's like, you know, I'm going to sit this one out. And, uh, he's like, well, I'm home and I got most of my stuff done. so you want me to run up there and help you get him out? And I was like, Oh, that would be great. You know? And, um, he doesn't have like a vehicle to get up there. He's like, well, when you come and get me out, like, come get me. And then, uh, we'll, we'll go in and get him out. And I'm like, Oh, well, my wife is home. She'll drive you up the mountain and then you can just hike on back here. Cause he knew where I was. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And my wife is like, well, she calls me. She's like, well, Jared wants to know how much crap he has to go through to get to you. And I'm like, he knows where I'm at i'm like it's fine here i was like this is like where i said oh honey this is where you helped me hang a camera here this one time and she's like oh yeah yeah i remember that it's not bad and she like oh you know we'll, we'll come help uh, I'll, I'll bring him up to you and let him know where you're at okay so jared comes back and we're like cutting the deer up and deboning him because it's you know a mile and a half two mile hike back to the truck so we we pack out from there and um he's whistling and I'm like, what are, you, what are you, is there a deer over there? And he goes, Nope. And I like turn around and here comes my wife walking through the woods. <laughs> That's she's awesome. Like, I'm here to help. And she's like, you know, she's all pumped. Cause she never got to see that part of an archery hunt, like getting to, you know, cut up and, uh, pack it out and stuff. And she thought that was really cool. And she was there to help me do it. So that was kind of special, um, special time for me to get to see that. But, you know, he was, a he was 110 inch eight point and that made me super happy. I was super yeah. happy with him. Um, and then hindsight, I'm like, you know, that other buck that I hit was a lot bigger. Um, he was probably 130 inch eight point. Uh, but overall couldn't, couldn't have been happier with the outcome of that season. So, yeah,
1: I'm sitting here looking at the, the pictures right now. And when you were ta- telling the story, I'm sitting here looking at that heart shot, which is like, it is like the the most perfect hot heart shot that you could that you could hope for. Dude, one oh, thing yeah. one thing I didn't know is we killed on the same day. Oh, did we? Yeah. I thought you had texted me the day before. So you sent me the pictures at 3:35 and then I sent you a picture of my buck at 6:42. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So literally 3 hours apart. I thought you'd killed the day before. That's how long of a sit I thought I'd had. <laughs> I, I thought I'd basically been in that stand for 2 days. No, I um yeah, man, that's crazy. November eighth was a good day. It was a good day. Holy cow, what a good day. So man, well sweet, dude. What a stellar season that you've had. Uh any big lesson that you're like, man, this is my takeaway from the twenty twenty two season.
0: Well, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this off air, and I think the um the important thing is for me is always that postseason scouting. And, um, you know, you asked me how many miles I like to cover or what kind of goal I have there. And I told you that it's really about the detail that's in those miles. You know, I, I probably cover 125 to 175 miles every year, but it's not really how fast you walk through that mileage. It's really about um, when you find the detail, uh, picking it apart and learning that and figuring things out from there.
1: Yeah. Sweet, man. And, well, yeah. I want to pick your brain about, uh, about the postseason stuff. Uh, let's plan to have you on again real soon and we'll Sounds talk good. postseason scouting. We'll cover uh, kind of from beginning to end your approach day one after season's over and then on through the spring and kind of how you begin to formulate a plan for fall. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you could leave us a five star review, I would. Very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me, suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and OnX.